It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests and you who are online. Bless you, bless you. Glad to have you today. And Merry Christmas to everybody. I know this is a different Christmas, but it could be no less merry. should not be because Jesus is still here. We're celebrating his birth. Uh, not so much the inconvenience, not trying to work around just the inconvenience of what it means to try to do Christmas and relationships and shopping and all the things that are necessary to Christmas. So um, I, I wish you a very merry one, and I trust that the Holy Spirit is going to help you get there if you are not. Um, also, regarding our congregational reading, you know, usually <clears throat> when we do our Advent services with the child lights and somebody's reading, we have a script up here. We have the congregation read, and we have somebody who presents say their part. It's kind of a traditional thing that the church has always done, and we thought we'd bring historical church into contemporary church. We've done it for 25 years. Uh, we didn't know that it didn't translate well online, meaning when the reader reads, everybody hears, but when he doesn't read and use talk, they hear nothing. We didn't figure that out till last week, sorry. So we tried it today, and instead we had you read like 85 verses of Scripture, which just doesn't work. So we're going to figure it out. Just be patient with us. Trying to do the online thing is new for us, and it's new for everybody, but especially for liturgical settings, uh, we'll figure it out. Um, turn with me over to the Bible. The reason I say that is because I usually have a passage of scripture upon which I, I speak. I, I stick to expository preaching, which is taking a passage, living in that passage, trying to help you understand what the writer meant, <coughs> excuse me, meant when he was writing, to whom he was writing, giving context, and then, <coughs> forgive me, giving application to your life. Today, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take you through a journey of the entire birth of Christ and the people who were involved in that process and what God did through them and I've got to go through different passages of scripture I'm not going to be able to read them all because it will take too long and so I'm going to have the references on the screen and you're going to have to go back to them I will be talking about the references obviously but I will not be reading them verbatim the title of the message is moved or being moved by God being moved by God subtitle positioned for purpose positioned purpose. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Give us wisdom and understanding so we can live well in Christ's name. Amen. Four things I'd like to talk to you about today. Being repositioned for your calling. Secondly, being repositioned for your family, familial impact. Thirdly, being repositioned for protection. And fourthly, being repositioned to find home. We have the central figures surrounding the nativity being moved by God. And most of us, when we say we are moved by God, we speak of an internal sense that he is doing something in our life and we, we want to respond to his moving in us. A direction, inspiration, a word to speak to somebody, a sense that he is with us in a, a very tangible way. But there's also the being moved by God where he directs us to go someplace. And without the direction of God <clears throat> in the lives of those who centered around the virgin birth, life would not be the same. And though I am very grateful for God so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
as I studied this week, I became more grateful for, for the people who obeyed. In order for us to present Jesus to the world, well, we've got to be in the right spot and respond to God in doing what he wants us to do when we get there. It wasn't just his initiative to say, I'm going to bring this to pass. It was also his initiative being worked through the lives of people who said, I'll, I'll participate, I'll obey, I'll join the club, I'll be a part of what you want to do. And I don't know that there is a more important time for us as a people to participate with God in his presenting Jesus to the world, us carrying Jesus to the world, bringing the person of Christ to people who know him not. But if you stay where you are, I don't know you're going to be as, near as effective as you should be. You're going to have to be moved by him. We have Mary. The star pupil in her youth group. 15 years old, got gold stars all the time in Awana because she, she memorized all the scriptures. She was an amazing young woman. The angel Gabriel comes to her in Luke chapter 1. She says, you're going you're to have the Christ child. You, you're going to be with child. And she says, how? I'm a virgin. The Holy Spirit's going to overpower you. And the Spirit of God will, will, will overshadow you. And the Holy Offspring will be called the Son of God. And your relative Elizabeth, who was barren, is now is, 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 is in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So she says, how can this be, says some aversion? God gives her the answer that the Holy Spirit is going to do it. And he says, by the way, you got a cousin, your auntie, your relative Elizabeth, who was barren, is now pregnant. And she's in her sixth month. What does that have to do with anything? Ah, maybe the angel gave her a clue that might help her in the idea of what confirmation means that this was really happening. I, I think this happened. I, I can't say exactly, but I've just lived long enough to be able to piece some of the stuff together. I think Mary heard, she knew, but she probably waited a month. Ladies, do you understand what I'm saying? Probably waited a month to, just to make sure that the rhythm was off. And then she said, huh. He said something about Elizabeth. Let me, let me go down and see what's happening there because she might know something. And she goes down. Now, she's in, she's in Nazareth, which is Galilee. That's the northern part of Israel. Elizabeth is down in the area of Jerusalem, in Judea. She's got to travel all the way down there to see her relative. And Elizabeth is aged. She and Zachariah, her husband, are collecting Social Security. They're getting ready to retire in Tampa. And they, they aren't interested, at least he isn't. He's really not interested in having a baby. And you can, you can almost understand why, even though his wife is barren and she has never had a child and she wants a child, whatever time it is, she wants a child. Zachariah, her husband, he, you know, he, my bride, Cynthia, is an amazing human being, better woman than I am man, better person than I am. She has this unusual quality. We, we have, we've had seven children. Six of our own, eight pregnancies, two miscarriages, and we adopted one. Seven children. 
If she had it her way, she'd still be pregnant. She just kept having babies until she couldn't. And I wasn't mad about that. If we had 15, I was good. My point is, she would continue on and be happy. At some point, I got to say, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering, have we had enough? And my, my, my third-born son has had a, had a grandchild here in the last year and a half. And beautiful. We get to watch her two, three days a week. It's just great. But after about 30 minutes, I'm a little tired. <laughs> you know, I get my fill of affection. I want to hug, play, drop around. She's smiling. We dance. It's great. And I'm thinking, next. <laughs> Tell us, Garrison, somebody else want to come along and take this little human being, please. I, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. There's something about age that doesn't coincide with youth. Youth have all this energy. Age does not. Zachariah was saying, hold up. I prayed that prayer when the angel came to him and said, you can have a baby. Wait a minute. I prayed that when I was 20. I'm now 75. I was thinking this was going to happen earlier. No, I'm going to answer your prayer now. They have a child. Well, Elizabeth is really happy. She gets pregnant. She's in her sixth month. Here comes Mary all the way down from Galilee up to the Judean area. And she says, hello. That's all she says to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth says this, how is it? All she said was hello. How is it, Elizabeth says, back in, in, in reply, how is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? There were no texts. I mean, Mary didn't say, I'm pregnant, Lizzie. Elizabeth had no natural idea. She, Mary just showed up at Elizabeth's house, said hello, and Elizabeth began to prophesy. She said, when you talked, as soon as you talked, the baby in my belly leapt. And, and, and it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. I don't even know what that means. But it's true. My point is this. For Mary, when Elizabeth said that, she, Elizabeth just confirmed what the angel told Mary. Sometimes you have to move with God to get confirmation. And I'm speaking metaphorically there, and I'm speaking literally. You got to move with God to get confirmation. If you stay where you are, if you wind up stationary all the time, you may not be in the right spot to be able to do what God wants you to do and hear what he wants you to hear. This is why it's so important for you who, who, who are watching online and you who are here to be able to turn your hearing aids up when it's time to come to church and listen in such a way because he just might be moving in your life. you got to hear something. Put yourself in a position to be able to hear a confirmation of what he wants to say. That's why you need to get in your Bible every day and read it. Put yourself in a position to be spiritually enriched with God's confirmation on a regular basis. That's why you need to be a part of a good church. If you're visiting today, welcome. I don't know whether we are your cup of tea. I'm probably not. You've never met a guy who sits on a stool, wears a bow tie, and has purple on on a Sunday morning preaching to you. I get it. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm an acquired taste. But I want you to understand something. That if we are not it, you need to find home. So that you can position yourself to be in a spot to hear what God wants to say to you on a regular basis. Confirmation over and over and over and over. Although Mary heard something, she needed to get with others in the environment of worship so that she might have something confirmed. And though God might speak to you in your devotional life, please do not trust only that. I'll let that sit for a minute. Because you don't know if you hear well enough. God speaks really clearly, but your filter isn't very good. Mine isn't very good. So when he talks to me, I go to others like, my pa like Pastor Jim Christian here, my prophet. What do you think God is saying? I think I heard this. What do you say? I allow others to input in the process because my soul is not as purified as it should be. My ears are not as filtered as they should be. I put myself in a position to be able to hear confirmation of what God is saying. Secondly, when Mary was about to give birth, she and Joseph, her husband or fiancé, betrothed, had to move all the way down to Bethlehem. Now, we don't know where Joseph was from. There is a passage in all of these passages about the, uh, the, the birth of Christ that says, and he was coming from Nazareth. But it doesn't say he lived there. It very well might be that he had gone to Nazareth from wherever he was in order to receive his bride, to do the things necessary to make preparations for the wedding that would probably be there. And then he would return from there back to his home. The only other place that we think he may have called home, if it was not Nazareth, would be Bethlehem, because that was a place of his family registry. Either way, they had to go from where he was in trying to figure out what it meant to make sure that this marriage could happen, Nazareth down to Bethlehem, because that's where every family had to go during the census to be registered with their family lineage. So every family had a place where they considered their homestead. Joseph's was Bethlehem. Now here's, a, here's what, what I'm about to convey here is troubling. And it, it put the fear of the Lord on me as I read it this week. I don't know how to describe it and, and, and be happy. It doesn't make me comfortable at all. Joseph and Mary come to Bethlehem and where do they have to have their baby? In a, in a stable. Now, this is probably the only reason that we believe Joseph was from Nazareth or lived in Nazareth is because when he got to Bethlehem, he had no home. So we think it's probably that he lived in the Galilee region. Because if he had a home, he could have the baby in the house. But they had to have a baby in a stable. This was his hometown. This was the place of his family registry. His uncles, his aunts, his cousins, his great aunts, his great uncles, his fourth, fifth, and sixth cousins all had to come back home if they didn't live there. 
Are you telling me in an environment like the Middle East when hospitality is a priority? If somebody is a stranger and they show up on your door at 12 o'clock at night, you're supposed to get up and feed them and make them feel like they're part of the family. Hospitality is huge in the Middle East, not so much for us. Eating is a big communal kind of synergizing and unifying moment. For us in the West, it's not. I mean, we drive through and get our food. That was invented here, not there. They believe in hospitality. I went to Israel a couple of years ago, and we went to Bethlehem. And we had a guide, and the guide showed us a place where they believe Jesus was born. And it's a cave. And it has a, has a, a gate on it. You can't get in unless somebody lets you in. And she said, we believe that Jesus was born here and not any place else in the city because people were really... Joseph's relatives were so embarrassed that he would actually take a woman who was already pregnant and still marry her so they wouldn't let him in their home. It was disgraceful. And so he had to have his child in a barn. All I can say as I continue this story is make sure you welcome Jesus. Make sure you welcome Jesus, people online. Make sure you welcome Jesus when he comes to your town, when he comes to your house. Make sure you welcome him. There was a star that appeared that seemed to hang over the city of Bethlehem. Ultimately, when the wise men came two years later, it resided right over the house. This star could have been seen and should have been seen by everybody because it was brand new. The people in, 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 in uh, Jerusalem, they didn't even know it existed. They weren't looking for it. They didn't see it. But the people who happened to be in the area of Babylon, these wise men, the Magi, they noticed a new constellation. Why? Because they were probably astrologers, not astronomers. Astronomers study the stars. Astrologers worship the stars. They, they looked up and saw something new. And, and as a result, they thought, there's never been a new star, ever. What happened here? And so they began to look in all their books to see what in the world. And they, they probably found a, a, a set of scriptures that was left there by the Israelites when the Israelites were captive in that region. And we don't know whether these people were from Babylon, but it was from the Persian Babylonian area. area. And, and the scriptures were there because the, 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 the Israelites had been taken captive. And they had to produce Things of, of learning called synagogues, places where people could come and hear about the scriptures. But when they got to go back to Israel about 70 years after their deportation, they, they left these places and some people didn't go back to Israel, they stayed right there. And so there were scriptures there, Old Testament passages that the, the, the wise men could search. And we think that they probably found the, the passage over in Numbers 24 where Balaam is prophesying, who's kind of a, a spiritual male witch, he's not really a prophet, but he heard things in the spirit. He prophesied and said, a scepter, a star, a scepter of rulership is coming from Judah, and a star will be seen in Numbers 24. And they said, oh my goodness. A king is being born in Israel. And the heavens announced it. Now kings get born all the time. 
but none of them have been announced by a star. The people of Israel had no clue. This is how dull they were to spiritual environments. But the people in Bethlehem had an opportunity. They didn't take advantage of it. They didn't notice it. For two years, this little baby Jesus was, well, two years he was a toddler. He was running around. Mary and Joseph now had a home. And they had many opportunities, the people of, of Bethlehem, to embrace and to support. And we have no record that they ever did. The star appeared. And then as the Magi got close enough to the area, it disappeared. So the Magi are thinking, what in the world happened to the star? They don't know where to go. It guided them until they got to a certain spot and then it left. And when it says the Magi saw the star in the east, it doesn't mean the star was in the east. It meant they were in the east because Bethlehem and Judah were west from them. So they came looking for the star. And when they got to the territory, the star disappeared. So they didn't know where to go. But what do you, where, where do you think a king is born except in the capital city? So they go to Jerusalem. And they tell Herod, who happens to be the king, we are here to worship the king of the Jews. He's just been born. The star announced it. And Herod said, who? He had no clue. And on top of that, he was very intimidated and envious. These magi made known to Jerusalem and all of Israel the legitimacy of their king being born. They didn't know it. Somebody else from the outside had to tell them. God positioned Mary and Joseph for, for familial impact in that city. And it cost Joseph a lot. If he was from Nazareth... <laughs> poor Joseph bless Joseph but poor Joseph if he was from Nazareth he had to give up the business of carpentry and home construction in order to come down to Bethlehem and then start all over find new clientele and deal with the people who didn't really think he was much of anything from marrying a woman who was already pregnant by what they believed was another man he lost all his reputation all his clients all because of this baby Jesus will wonderfully wreck your life Wreck your life in order to make it better. Because whatever vision you have of your life is one of two things, either too small or all wrong. Joseph, I'm about to bless you beyond that which you could ever earn in all of your working as an excellent carpenter. I'm about to do something special for you. I know the inconvenience is great, but hang on. God brought them there to bless their family, and their family did not receive them. Any of y'all gotten born again and tried to go back to minister to your family? How'd that go? It didn't go well for me when I first tried. Not at all. Now, ultimately, all my family got right with God. My mama, my daddy, my brothers, my sisters, my nieces, my nephews, my grandparents. Everybody got right with God over, uh, over a span of about 12 years. I was so happy. It was great. I just kept persevering and trying to be the best person I could be rather than the best preacher I could be. Remember, I'm, they know I'm still me. So I had to learn to be an example rather than a teacher. And they all got right. All of them got right. God positioned Joseph and Mary to impact their entire family. Do you know what a gift it was for Jesus to be born amongst all their relatives? Wow. They could tell their, their kids the Messiah was born 
in my neighborhood. Joseph's family was so, so blessed, yet they missed their blessing. When the star disappeared and the Magi went to Jerusalem, they told Herod, and then they woke up one day and the star reappeared. And, and <clears throat> it's because Herod went to his teachers and said, where's the Messiah to be born? They said, in Bethlehem of Judah. And so he told the Magi, and the Magi began to go to Bethlehem, and when they started to go to Bethlehem, the star reappeared, and it, it appeared right over the house where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were. And they rejoiced, and they went straight over there, and everything went. But let me tell you what was set up. You see, there was no redemption that came from them going to Jerusalem and telling Herod and all the leaders that Jesus had been born, that the baby Messiah had been born in Bethlehem. No good came from it, only bad. Now Herod was envious and mad. So mad was he that his plan was to kill this Messiah child. And if he couldn't find the exact one, he was going to kill all the babies, all the male children, who were born since the star appeared. When Jesus comes to your life, please welcome him. I'm trying to do kind of a CSI moment here because I, I can't figure out. You know, it's one of those, how in the world could Bethlehem go through what they went through? Because Herod came and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, trying to find Jesus to make sure he wouldn't be a threat to his throne. Can you imagine the weeping in the morning that happened when parents just woke up and, and heard the, the soldiers coming and they knocked on the door, broke it down, and killed their baby boy? They don't even know why. One household after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. The entire town was filled with blood. How horrible is that? How does that happen? How does that happen? If you look at the times in the Old Testament when judgment was brought upon the people of God, it was because of their disobedience and their inability to receive the word of the Lord and God himself in their midst. He warned them over and again. He gave them so many opportunities. Please repent. Please receive me. Please do right. And they said, no. No. We will do our own way. We will ignore you and do what we want. I beg you, receive Jesus when he comes. Welcome him when he comes. Online, welcome him when he comes. The beauty is that God doesn't do this all the time. He doesn't allow this to happen all the time. As a result, we're saved. So many people don't experience judgment. The, the normal operating procedure of God is mercy. But God gave this community such an opportunity and they blew it. And the only, only, the only thing I can think of as to why this might have happened is because they rejected him completely and they should have been the people who received him completely. I am broken with that conclusion and I'm trusting God to give me another one but I can't find one. It is one of the saddest passages in Scripture. And it just reminds me, Brett, welcome Jesus when he comes. 
Fortunately, Herod was not able to find Jesus because an angel had come to, to Joseph in the middle of the night and said, take the boy to Egypt because Herod is coming to kill him. Now, the beauty is this. These magi who had come, they came with stuff. They, were, they, they came with some, some real valuable gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they came with the kind of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that is appropriate to give a king who has been announced by a star. Now, just to give you some, some inkling, the queen of Sheba, queen of the south, during the time of Solomon, came to see Solomon because she heard of all the things that he was doing and his, the majesty of his kingdom and his wisdom. And when she came just to say hello, she brought a hundred talents of gold just to say hello. Now, a talent was a hundred pounds of anything. So she brought 100, 100 pounds of gold. Solomon wasn't announced by a star. You feeling me? These people wanted to honor this young child. I don't know how much money they brought, but it was more than just a couple of bucks. When God tells Joseph, get up, go, because the, the child is being hunted, they get up, go in the middle of the night, and, and Joseph's thinking, I got enough to go. Look at what God did. He didn't have a green card going to Egypt. He didn't have a work permit. God provided for him amazingly. And he probably never had to work again. Never had to. He probably did, but never had to. See, Joseph, I know it was hard on you occupationally, but this is how I provide when you do what I want. You hang in here and you stay on this road. You go through the difficulty. You go through the disgrace. You be called everything in the book. You allow them to persecute you for righteousness sake. You don't say a word. You keep your mouth shut. You trust me and watch what I will do for you. I will protect you. Moved for protection. God will protect you all the way down the road. He'll make sure that his, his wings cover your life. He'll make sure that, that those who are against you at times will become those who are for you. He'll make even your enemies at peace with you. God will protect if you allow him to move through your life in ways that are unusual. Why? Because he has so few people who will do the right thing. He's got to preserve those who will. God will protect. And lastly, he will move you home. You'll find a home after Herod died, which happened to be really quick in the year in which Jesus, we think Jesus was born sometime around 6 B.C. And he had to move to, to uh, Egypt around 4 B.C. Herod died in 4 B.C. And we can piece that together because when Jesus was born, we understand when Herod died. We know that to be true. We know that date. But we know that Herod said, he asked the, the Magi when the star appeared, and, and they said about two years earlier. And so he went and killed the babies two years and below, thinking that he could at least get the Christ child. And 
Thus, we know that Jesus was born two years, be- two years after, excuse me, two years before his death. And we know that Jesus moved back to the region of, of Galilee in the same year because Herod died that year in 4 B.C. So he moved in 4 B.C. to Egypt, and then Herod died in 4 B.C., and he moved from Egypt. And he was going to go back to Bethlehem because that's where he had his business now. But God said, "Uh uh-uh, Herod's got a boy. He doesn't like Jesus either. So go ahead and go to Nazareth. And that's how they wound up in Nazareth, and that became home. God will move you to places that are uncomfortable. They they may not be the, the, the most... familiar and attractive to you but you will be wed to it have I ever told you that that I've never liked DC (laughs) never I really love Kansas City I grew up there now I know everybody likes home cooking so I get it but I really really love Kansas City and God won't let me go there he brought me here Joseph wanted to go back to that which was familiar in his occupation. But God said, no, go north. Sometimes he won't allow you to be comfortable. I know a lot of people who get born again and they say, I'm going to go back to my city and minister to my family. That's good, but it may not be your ultimate. It might be just a stop off. If you're moved by God, you will hear where he wants you to be, not just what you're comfortable with, not just what feels right. There's nothing about D.C. that feels right. Nothing. I'm a Midwest boy and happy about it. I knew my neighbors. They knew me. A guy I used to, I used to cut through his yard to go to school because it was, it was faster. And I, I wore out a path in his backyard, and he would sit there. Every, he retired. He'd sit there every breakfast looking out his back window, ready to yell at me as I'm walking across his yard. And I thought I was so fast I could run through, and he wouldn't see me. I didn't care that he yelled at me. I wanted to get to school quick. But it became what, and this was, this was second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. Every day I would do this. And after a while, he just said, yeah, I love him. He's just trying to go to school. He didn't even yell at me anymore. In fact, he had an apple tree in his backyard. He stopped me one day and said, get an apple on the way to school. That's the neighborhood in which I grew up. Nobody has ever given me an apple since I've been here. (laughs) Not once has anybody ever given me an apple. They have the best barbecue in, Can- in the world in Kansas City. I don't care where you're from. You might think you got the best. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Best barbecue in the world in Kansas City. The worst barbecue in Kansas City is better than the best here. I love Kansas City. I love Kansas City. God won't let me go. And I have happily accepted his calling to the city. And still, it's not my favorite, but I've grown in love with it. I didn't fall in love with it. I've grown in love with it. And they will bury me here. Sometimes you want to go back. It says he was trying to go back to Bethlehem, 
And, and the Holy Spirit said, don't go there. Herod's, still, Herod's son now. Herod died, but Herod's boy is still looking for yours. Get on up to Nazareth. Sometimes God sends you places that don't feel right, but they're right. And you know what makes, as I close, Washington, D.C. really palatable to me? Is you. I've been able, by the grace of God, to build a people who are different than the rest of the city. A culture of love and acceptance and safety. A people that I think are just fabulous. Human beings that are unusual. That love one another even when each other are unlovable. That practice what it means to be hospitable to those who are mean to them. Kind to those who are untoward to them. I love the community you have become. And not just the Sunday morning. I'm talking about us. All of us. And we have become salt and light to the others out there so that the community now not only thinks that we're, we're relevant to them, they are dependent upon us to provide what they do not have. In other words, we are changing the environment, not just in the room, but in the community. I love this more than my flesh loves barbecue. <laughs> are you listening to me? Oh, I wanted to go to Bethlehem, but he sent me to Nazareth. You want to be moved by God? It'll be uncomfortable. But it will be for his purpose. Because the scriptures, need, the scriptures said, and Joseph needed to fulfill it, out of Nazareth will come my son. Out of Nazareth will come my son. Joseph didn't understand any of that, but he knew how to obey. And there are things you need to fulfill that you may not understand in the beginning, but God's got something else in mind years down the road. I didn't know in 1982 that there would need to be a church that was large enough and benevolent enough to provide for the physical needs of the entire community of Northern Virginia. I didn't know that, but I just kept my hand to the plow I got up every day doing the will of God. And as a result, you showed up. And you showed up with your wallets. And you gave. And you gave sacrificially. And there are people out there right now who are eating because of you. There are children that have shoes because of you. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I don't know what he's got for me tomorrow. But I plan to, to employ the same strategy I've done for the last 40 years for the next 40. And by the way, I turn 60 next week. <laughs> the same strategy. Uh, did you hear it for the next 40? <laughs> I plan, I'm not going to change because I know that there is something that this people needs to provide later that I don't even know that my obedience is going to reflect and help do then. I don't know what it is. But I know that if I obey now, it'll happen then. I just have to be moved right now. If I'm not moved right now, it may not come out right then. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and grace. Help us as a people. 
to be moved well by you, to obey you, to listen to you, to honor you.